Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl from Happy Mammoth. EstroControl contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including EstroControl. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. This is Including You, the new series from Lead at Any Level. Including You features stories from chief diversity officers and other executives who are creating inclusive cultures in their organizations. Our goal is to show what's working in companies just like yours, to give you the tools you need to keep pushing for progress in your own workplace. We want to create belonging and opportunity for everyone, including you. And now here's your host, Amy C. Wanninger. Welcome back to Including You. I'm your host, Amy C. Wanninger, the Inclusion Catalyst. My guest today is Robin Pollock. She's the workplace culture strategist and founder at Lutel. Lutel offers employment law counseling and compliance services, supporting workplace culture and diversity, equity, and inclusion performance solutions. Lutel is a Philadelphia-based, woman-owned business that works with clients across the United States. And what you may not know is that Robin and I spoke when I was first starting Lead at Any Level, and I asked her, what do I need to do next? And I think I was on step negative 40, and she was so generous with her time. So Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's really, it's just, it's an honor and just such a pleasure to be back talking with you again. And so many years later, where our journeys have taken us, it's just great to be back with you. So thank you so much for asking me to be on your podcast. Well, thank you for being generous with your time, not once, but twice with me. I really do appreciate it. Always. And I'm just excited to talk to you about your business and about what's going on in the world, because we have been through a lot since 2018, 2019, when we last spoke, not just us as individuals or as business owners, but the entire world has, it's almost like it's been in a snow globe and just been shaken just chaotically in the last few years. So let's just start with the basics. Tell me a little bit about Lutel, what you do, what kind of clients you serve and how you've helped them. It's a little bit of a unique business model and certainly something that we are really proud of at Lutel. So we combine a full service employment law practice. So we are lawyers. So full service employment law and some transactional work with full service workplace culture and DEI consulting. So lots of companies out there that do employ lots of law, law lawyers and law firms doing employment law. And certainly since 
2020, lots of people doing DEI work, but having those two service lines together connected under one umbrella is something that is really unique and is something that we're finding is providing great value to our clients. So we primarily are in the middle market, um, pretty industry agnostic, representing employers and companies across industries, markets, across geography. And on the legal side, we try to be very proactive counselors to our clients. Of course, we're getting the hair on fire, I need to fire somebody, or something bad's happening, or somebody's suing us. But what we really try to do is to set them up for success so those things don't happen. So looking at policies, processes, systems, and where the culture piece comes in is that oftentimes if somebody is getting sued or a complaint is filed or there is some issue, the underpinnings of it are often cultural. So a lot of value in being able to put that lens onto the legal work and the legal counseling and risk mitigation work that we're doing. On the other side, when we're counseling and helping our clients with DEI and culture issues, having that legal lens is also really important. We have a client that was looking to do something around Ramadan and the end of Ramadan and what they were able to do from a legal perspective was slightly different than what they wanted to do from a culture perspective. So being able, again, to layer that legal lens across cultural work is really cool. So just having that business model elevated us and put us in a unique kind of niche position to really be able to service clients. Living Corporate is brought to you by Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's incredible. Okay, so first off, you didn't know, Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They have fast language acquisition, meaning you're actually going to pick up the language because it's going to provide an immersive experience for you through their program. Speech recognition gives you a trainer for your accent. Convenient, right? You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your phone. Incredible value. Lifetime membership has all languages for any and all trips or language needs in life. That's lifetime access to 25 language courses Rosetta Stones offers for 50% off. That's a steal, y'all. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Living Corporate listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today, today. I want to dive into this a little bit more because I think a lot of organizations and a lot of executives see diversity, equity, and inclusion work as fraught with risk. If I do this work and I say the wrong thing, if we bring in a consultant and they tell us the wrong thing, if we, if we open up for dialogue and somebody misspeaks or somebody says something offensive, we're opening ourselves up to all sorts of trouble. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do I hear executives say the opposite, which would be, if we don't do something, we are opening ourselves up to all sorts of trouble because we're not being open. We're not being respectful enough. We're not hearing people and letting them voice their concerns. And so I'd really like to dive in for the purposes of our discussion today at this intersection of DEI and legal risk management, 
because we often hear about the cost of diversity and inclusion programs and initiatives. We don't often hear about all the money we save when we invest in this work up front thoughtfully and carefully. Is that all right? Yeah, great question. And being uh, a lawyer, and I wasn't just any lawyer, I was actually a restructuring and bankruptcy lawyer. So I, in my prior life for 20 years, counseled companies on legal issues, people issues, operational issues, financial issues under the auspices of a bankruptcy. So you're essentially running a company. So very much aware of how C-suites think and boards and leadership and how people operate in a business. And I think that that has informed our approach to DEI and culture work because we're not coming in and saying, okay, I, I say this to clients all the time. If you want the kumbaya, like DEI firm, that's not us. <laughs> we're the business people. We really are. And we are looking at culture as a business strategy. So how are you? It's people first. It's always people first, but they're not mutually exclusive. Just because you're looking at this as a business strategy and a business imperative does not mean that you're not people first. I think sometimes people confuse that and they think, oh, you're trying to leverage your people for business. It's not that. It's that when your people feel invested in, supported, have a voice, feel belonging, all of those things, they are going to stay, they're going to be engaged, they're going to perform better, they're going to go the extra mile, they're going to interface with your clients and customers more positively. That is what drives your business. So I think our approach is the, the second thing you described. We're thinking about how culture and DEI is actually a risk mitigator and a business driver as, a, as opposed to, I don't want to touch this, it's the third rail, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, because if you are saying the wrong thing, and then you don't have this ecosystem in place to deal with it, then what's happening? So we try to be proactive and we try to explain to C-suite leaders the risk of not having this kind of culture and that it isn't throwing money away. Like you are making a business investment into your company's sustainability, your ability to attract and retain talent, to get new business. You are making an investment in your future. And if you're not doing it, it sounds crazy, but you are not going to make it. You're going to get left behind somewhere. And I think that is a point that companies need to understand. This podcast, Living Corporate, it's brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with the audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place on your terms. Let me tell you something. Y'all might not know this, but Living Corporate, we started our whole journey on Squarespace. My website, ZacharyNunn.com, it's on Squarespace. I can't tell you how much I appreciate its fluid engine, the ability to create world-class templates and design. It's very intuitive, incredible. We have custom merch through our Squarespace. We have an incredible asset library, so I can always mix it up, switch and swap. It's super dope. And the fact that you can host all types of content, video, audio, all types of media, to put all on your Squarespace. I can't recommend it enough. If you want to learn more about Squarespace, 
Check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I think you're absolutely spot on because it's hard to quantify the people who don't apply to open positions because they don't like the culture or the look of the company. It's hard to quantify the innovations that don't happen because people don't feel safe to take risk. Right. It's hard to quantify on the other side, the lawsuits that don't happen because right. people feel safe mm-hmm. or they feel respected or they don't feel like their boss is harassing them mm-hmm. or limiting their opportunity or that their pay is unequal or that there are systemic barriers to them getting ahead in the workplace. All of those things that don't happen are very hard to qual- quantify. But when we think about it, just flipping the questions around, it does become a business imperative because the world is changing, as we've already said. The demographics of our consumer base are changing. People, younger people expect to interact differently. Mm-hmm. with the companies that they purchase goods and services from. Yep. Workers expect to be treated differently than they did 20, 30, 50, let's face it, even four years ago. And so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the companies that don't get this right are not long for this world. I'm curious, since you do have this legal framework as a background and you have kind of this legal professional background, What do you see as some of the opportunities for companies from a legal and risk mitigation perspective that can really break down barriers for people and not just help them stay compliant, but really help them leapfrog their competition in terms of innovation and inclusion? Yeah, so I do, and I do want to touch on what you said before before I answer the question, because you're talking about proving a negative. You're talking about proving what didn't happen, which is very hard, but I think you know, and we encourage our clients to create those metrics and those KPIs moving forward so that they can see if you were having X number of EOC claims today, then you're more intentionally looking at your culture. What are your EEOC claims now? So you can do that look, but you can't prove the negative. We wouldn't have had as many or whatever, but you can compare. And I think setting those KPIs, because there are human capital metrics that tie to business performance, like something like an EEOC complaint or productivity or retention, those kinds of things. So I think it's important to have those, have those in place. I think one of the things to answer your question about creating those kinds of cultures, and it's just so interesting because this has been something like ruminating with me lately. I think that people need to stop thinking of DEI and B, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, as something separate from culture. I'm actually thinking I made a note to myself today to write an article about this. It's D-E-I and B. It's really about C. You know it's about culture. And that stuff isn't going away. And people say, I don't want to invest in DEI, but it's not about that. It's about culture. So breaking down barriers and creating that kind of environment where things like innovation are happening and people have a voice and people feel psychologically safe, those are the things companies need to focus on. Communication is key. So we have a proprietary data tool that we created with a data science team, and it's called the Lutel Vibe Assessment. And Vibe stands for Voice Inclusion Belonging Equity. 
and we ask about six additional indices of culture in our vibe assessment. So it's a quantitative cultural assessment. It also has an open-ended question, like what's one thing your organization can do to enhance vibe? And then we do focus groups and interviews. We have a whole data collection protocol. And that is the key to figuring out what is going on at your organization. So many companies are like, up oh, bias training, up oh, we need ERGs, up oh, we need a DEI council. Great, you probably do. But before you start just rolling stuff out, ask. It's the first time, the first place where you can get employee voice. And when we do our vibe assessment, we find across the board, companies, big, small, doesn't matter, communication is often lacking. And so people say to me, what does that have to do with DEI? I want a DEI solution. That's not DEI, but it is because it's C. It's culture. And if you are not transparently, authentically creating a cascade of information and communication to your people, they're making stuff up in their heads. Why did Amy get promoted and I didn't? Why is this happening? I asked for this and it didn't happen. Like they make stuff up and that's where toxicity can happen. So part of creating this culture of inclusion and breaking barriers, not from a compliance standpoint, but from a culture standpoint, starts with communication. And it starts with a C-suite team that is committed to actually to, to communicate, committed to actually modeling and taking the actions, behaving in the way they want to see everybody in the company behave. And holding people to that, making people feel part of the process, accountability, ownership of culture. It belongs to everybody, not just HR, not just the chief diversity officer, not just the C-suite, but it's got to be built into the fabric in order to create the kind of culture you're asking about. And when you're doing that, you need less compliance because you've got stuff humming the right way. That was like a way long answer. You're probably like, that was more than I, anybody needed to know. <laughs> no, it's never, it's always never enough because, <laughs> because there, there is so much that goes into this. One of the things that came up for me as you were talking about culture is I think, and I think that a lot of times folks miss this culture in the organization is not the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. The culture of the C-suite is different than the culture of the front line. Why? Because there's an information gap. There's a, a vision gap. There's a, we're starting in different places. Frontline folks can't see as far into the future as the C-suite can because the C-suite folks are living three to five years in a lot of cases in the future. But there's also a different culture in a lot of organizations for men versus women. Sure. Because men have certain rituals and activities that they do together, mm -hmm. whether it's playing golf or going to the gym or there's a basketball game or whatever that maybe women are left out of or excluded from. There's a different culture for white people in an organization than for black and brown people, because a lot of times black and brown folks don't have access to decision makers, mentors, sponsors, decision makers that they need to do their jobs effectively or to have the right level of influence to, to push their ideas forward and be heard. 
And so I'm curious as to when you work with your clients, how many of them see that out of the gate? How many of them come to see that later? How do you guide them through that process of understanding that there's not one culture in an organization? There's a different culture for different groups. So again, going back to the data, we collect for organizations that have enough people, critical mass, what's harder and very small ones, we tend to work with more mid-sized organizations. We collect demographic information. So people self-report their different demographic identity so that you are able to look at that data and see, okay, in these certain areas, you know, those that identify as male are having a more positive experience than those that identify as female. LGBTQ, whether you're a veteran, disability, all of the things. So you're able to actually see where are people having more or less positive experiences in what certain indices. So that gives you some information. I think that, I think that people understand that not everybody has the same experience. I think people have a difficult time appreciating what that lived experience is of somebody else when it's not their own. So that's where bias training certainly has its place. Microaggression training certainly has its place. It's in the context of being able to understand that the key to this is building relationships. And we all we often talk about it's like literally one-to-one. It may sound crazy. If you've got an organization of 10,000 people, how are you ever going to get there? But you do. And people being able to listen to somebody else, appreciate that their perspective is real. It is real to them. And even if that's not your experience, it doesn't mean it's not happening to them. We often find that these sort of global organizational solutions, though, have an impact on all demographics. We've talked to companies, and you'd say, this is crazy, but where white men were not having a a positive experience as other groups. So it's not always about the, it is often about the marginalized group, but not always. We always think like if there's one person in your company that's not having a good experience, you have an issue. You, it has to be everybody. And look, there's things that happen. There's ebbs and flows and stresses of work. Not everybody's going to love their job every day, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what does it feel to that person to walk into that workplace every day? Do they have a sense of dread? Do they feel that they're going to be marginalized? Do they feel that they can't speak up? Do they feel part of the team? Um, So it's looking at those things that, you know, and looking at it by demographic, to get an understanding, but it's not just about demographics. Again, that going back to the, it's D-E-I-B, but what it's really about the C, people experience culture differently. Um, But if you're having a problem with communication, it's impacting everyone. If you're having a problem with equity, it's probably not impacting everybody the same, but there are certain universal things that happen in companies that impact everybody. Employee voice is one of them. If your employees generally don't feel that they have a voice, maybe if you're marginalized, you may feel less, but it may not even be statistically significant. Everybody's, I can't talk here or I can't make a mistake. So you have to be able to parse those out. And it's not just about the diverse identities. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now look, y'all, it is crazy outside. There's all kinds of stuff going on. 
if you are working a nine to five, you're probably stressed out about keeping your nine to five. If you don't have a nine to five, you're probably in the middle of trying to get a new nine to five. Or maybe you made the crazy leap to be a full-time entrepreneur like me. You got the world on fire all around you, middle of elections year. A lot of stuff going on. It's just, it's absolutely nuts, right? It's nuts outside. And I could definitely see, I'll speak for me. Look, for me, I know I be going to therapy on a regular basis. I believe in therapy, all right? Hashtag uh, black folks need therapy. Hashtag we all need therapy. We all need it. And for me, I can say if it wasn't for therapy being like an ongoing maintenance tool in my toolkit to help me stay level and help me realize that I'm okay, everything around me is okay, here's what I can control, that has been critical for me. And I would hope that if you have thought about therapy and if, or if you haven't thought about therapy, shoot, let's say you're like, like I ain't got time for therapy. I got, I'm too busy trying to make sure that these plates keep on spinning. I hope that you check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's completely convenient, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, keyword licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge, which is incredible. It's very challenging to move around and find the right therapist for you. The fact that BetterHelp is providing that as just part of your experience is incredible. So find your support, get the help you need with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash corp today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash corp, C-O-R-P. Yeah. And I think it does all start with the data. I'm, I usually tell my clients, look, every company, there are people, it's not whether the company is inclusive or not, because there's no company that includes everyone Mm -hmm. and every culture includes somebody, or you wouldn't have people working there at all. But the question is really not, are we inclusive? It's for whom are we inclusive? Who feels welcome here? Who feels valued here? Right. And who doesn't? And why don't they? And when you can start digging into some of those deltas, then you can really make a difference in terms of being a, a place that other people want to bring their friends to work, or they want to, they talk about what a great work experience they have. It's the kind of place where customers can see themselves in the company and want to engage deeper and build real brand loyalty and those sorts of things. So I agree with you that it's absolutely about the data, not just broad swaths of data. Oh, we got an 80% our engagement score. We're doing great. But What's going on with the other 20%? Who are they? Why don't they feel connected? And what can we do about that? Yeah, and I think that breaking barriers, again, going back to the sort of concept of relationships, the people that don't feel part or they feel othered or they feel that they're not included, how do we bring them in? We talk about, you know this, in-group, out-group bias, which is the concept of you've got this group of people they're homogenous. They, they like each other. They get along. They relate to each other. I think of it as like the middle school lunch table. Like you had the, the debate kids were their own in-group and the football players were the in-group and, the, and they didn't necessarily interact. And that happens in companies. If you were in a group, you're always going to lunch with the same people and there's somebody that's sitting at their desk eating alone, that person doesn't feel included. It's a very simple example. And we talk about client, to, to clients about the concept of you really want your whole company to be the in-group. You want to expand that circle. And how do you bring people in? And it goes back to getting to know people. 
and saying, hey, Amy, what, come to lunch with us. Come on. Or saying, hey, maybe you don't want to come to lunch now, but let's grab a cup of coffee. I'd love to just get to know you. And that's where the magic happens because that's where people start to understand one another. And maybe it's not about agreement. We never try to change hearts and minds because you really can't change somebody fundamentally and so, until there's some big catalyst. But you can change how they behave and you can change their understanding of somebody else, whether there's acceptance or not. There's a lot going on in the world, a lot of very polarizing things happening. And people have opinions and that leaks into the workplace. And how do you have those conversations? How do you maintain respect? How do you agree to disagree? How do you listen to someone else and say, okay, like I hear what you're saying. You know, I have a different view and have that person listen and still be able to walk away at the end of the day and work together and get the client product out or whatever it is. That's where we need to get to that sort of acceptance and that respect. And it needs to happen no matter how you identify or what you think. I think it's hard for a lot of people because they feel like their humanity isn't respected. And then it's hard to get the work done if you feel like, and the example I use is we know that there are people in this country who are, who hold very extreme views, mm -hmm. very extreme views about white supremacy, about anti-Semitism. And because they live in this country and they presumably have jobs, they're in our workplaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this, and you're right, it, changing hearts and minds is tough. Mm -hmm. But if we can say, look, these are the acceptable behaviors, you can hold people accountable to behaviors. And when they violate those norms and those written expectations, now we have a path to move forward with helping them select themselves out of our companies when they are not a good fit for the mm -hmm. culture that we're trying to create. Mm -hmm. But it's very difficult to do that if the cultural expectations are not explicit. People don't know what behavior they're supposed to exhibit. And yeah, I think that's why it's really important to have that kind of culture, to level set, to be a little bold. We had, we've had clients like when George Floyd was murdered, who didn't want to say, they wanted to say something, but they didn't really want to say something. Like they didn't really want to take a stand because they were worried about alienating the other, whether you were Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, they didn't want to alienate the other. So they said things that were very neutral. And I think there's a danger in that because you are not taking a stand. Who do you want to be? And what is the culture you want to live by? And then people know what that is. And so if you can't, if you're a person that can't behave, behave, you don't have to think it or believe it. There's lots of people who don't believe in DE. I've led teaching sessions and people are like, this is a waste of time. Why are we talking about bias? People are snowflakes. They have to just get over it. And that's okay. That's okay. You can think that when you go home at night, you can talk about that at your kitchen table, but you can't act like that. You can't say that in a webinar. You can't express that because you are then marginalizing someone else's lived experience and you are shutting down their feelings of being able to share. You can't do that. So you've got to be able to set the expectation of behavior. And then if you're not 
working to that behavior. If you're not demonstrating that behavior, yeah, sometimes there's hard decisions that have to be made. This is where we're going. This is who we are. You got to act a certain way. And if you can't, that's okay, but you can't be here. And I think this is where companies, executive teams especially, really need to be clear about why does culture matter to the company? What's at stake? Mm -hmm. If the why isn't bigger than the pushback, you can't make progress. Because as soon as somebody pushes back a little bit bigger than your why, you think, yeah, we're trying this. And there's no teeth behind it. There's no commitment. Yeah. And people think they can opt out. Yeah. And the why can't be, well, it's the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do, but that can't be the why, because I feel like if that's the why, you know, to your point, it leaves too much room for you think it's the right thing to do, but I really don't. I don't think we need this. I think we're fine. I don't get that. I think that's, again, coming full circle where you need to tie it to the business. This is what's going to take us forward. Like it or not, if we're not embracing this, first of all, it's good for us. We spend a lot of time at work. We, nobody wants to come to work and be upset or sad or angry or any of the things. And there could be a situation having nothing to do with culture or equity where you don't feel included or you don't feel you've been treated fairly. Think about if that's your experience every day. You're not going to want to be here. And if we don't have people here, we can't operate. We don't have a business. You need people in every business, no matter how automated, you need people. So there's the, that's where the the anchor on the business comes in. If we want to be sustainable, like you're working here, if you want to have a job in 10 years here, these are the things we need to do for all the reasons. The world is changing. Customers are changing. Clients are changing. Talent expectations are changing. If we're not including different people, we're not problem solving as well as we could be. We're not as innovative as we could be. We're just not sustainable this way if we're not embracing this. And I don't know that anybody could argue that there's a pushback to that that's greater than that that why. If I'm a C-suite leader and I'm like, this is part of our business strategy because of X, Y, and Z, I think that's hard to have somebody push back on truly. Exactly. Well, I want to leave it right there. Robin, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing some of your methodology with us and some of your expertise. And I know that this was uh, something that my listeners and viewers are going to be very grateful for. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Amy. It was great. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow Lead at any level on LinkedIn and YouTube. Then join us for Including You video simulcast every Thursday at noon Eastern. Including You can also be enjoyed each week as part of the Living Corporate Audio Podcast Series. Available on all major podcast platforms. Learn more at living-corporate.com. Including You is brought to you in part by Lead at Any Level, a boutique training and consulting firm improving employee engagement and retention for companies that promote from within. Lead at Any Level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. Lead at Any Level and its logo are registered trademarks of Lead at Any Level LLC. The views and opinions of guests on our show do not necessarily reflect the positions of Lead at Any Level, Living Corporate, or the sponsors of Including You. That's it for this week's episode of Including You. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or wherever you watched us. Be sure to join me next week when my guest will be Erica Young from TaylorMade Budget.